I'm Josh Porter, and this is the Van City Church Podcast. The following teaching is part two in the series, Practicing the Way, Sabbath. When was the last time you felt genuinely rested? Not just a day off from work, or a vacation, or a morning sleeping in, but actual rest that replenishes your soul. Sabbath is about more than not working. It's about disciplined rhythm of life that doesn't simply happen on its own. To rest, to Sabbath, requires thoughtful preparation. But the result may well be rest for your soul. The image is a familiar one, and that is of the worker who is pushed by a tyrant to the brink of death. Um, A wearied man hauling bricks for Pharaoh, for example, who collapses in the sand. And in the image or in the scene, an Egyptian raises a whip as other workers around him plead, oh, have mercy, he can go no further. And this is kind of where the image remains in antiquity, an old painting, an old mural in a genre of extremes, as distant and unlikely and unrelatable as a fairy tale. Or is it? Without rest, we all collapse under life's tyranny, under the unforgiving whip of our masters, be they career or ambition or even things like busyness and fun. When is the last time that you truly rested? And I'm not talking about a a good night's sleep because sleep is not the same thing as rest. In fact, some of you probably sleep too much. When is the last time that you felt truly rested? And I'm not talking about vacation either. Uh, Have you been on a vacation with small children? It's fun. It's not restful, but it's fun. Um, Vacation is often that way. Fun, but not restful. Not necessarily anyway. When is the last time you felt truly rested? I'm not talking about a day off either. Everyone has days off. They spend them grocery shopping or running errands or texting or zoning out at a phone screen until their brain begins to leak out of their ears. When is the last time that you felt truly replenished at a soul level, so steeped in quiet peacefulness and delight that you felt healthier and stronger and more at peace, more relaxed, more connected to God and to the people that you love, ready to return to the fray. Last week, we began a series and a set of practices around the ancient spiritual discipline of restfulness. Specifically, we're talking about something called a Sabbath. Now, of course, it goes without saying that um, that word carries all sorts of baggage into the room. For some, it's like a legalistic thing, a day of rules and regulations. For others, it's just Sunday, the day when one attends church. For others still, it's an Old Testament thing, a law no longer imposed on those who follow Jesus. But the conversation we've begun is not about rules. It's not about the law at all, really, and it isn't about a specific day of the week per se. We're unpacking the concept of Sabbath as a day when one chooses to step out of the frenetic pace of life in the modern world, to slow down, to stop, and to rest in Jesus. And in doing so, such a person is training in a lifestyle of restfulness to become ultimately, as a disposition, unhurried, unanxious, steady, and secure. In his book, Sabbath as Resistance, Walter Brueggemann said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. 
Last week was something of an overview. If you weren't here, you can go back and catch up on the podcast. Tonight, I want to begin what will eventually become a biblical theology of Sabbath, meaning let's follow this concept of Sabbath through the library of writings that we call the Bible in order to build out a better paradigm of what it actually means. You guys up for it? Yep, thank you. Let's start, where else? In Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. Let's read the very first verse in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that story, pause for a moment, goes on in a way familiar to many of you. The original artist, God, he crafts the cosmos, which culminates in his masterpiece, humanity, whom he designs to join in this ongoing endeavor of creative beauty. But skip down to verse 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, meaning everything in the whole pantheon of creation, and it was very good. Now, pay attention to what happens next. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So, on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. God rested. Last week, I mentioned what has been, for me, an interesting kind of phenomenon to behold across the last few years, talking and teaching occasionally about Sabbath and rest, and that's the way that people often push back on the idea. For one reason or another, people often don't want to rest, and by that, I mean that we don't want to be told to turn our phones off or to take a break from work or to slow down or to stop shopping or to stop fretting or to stop rushing through life. And yes, this is a conversation to be had. This is not legalism. It's not always black and white. But in the story, God himself rested. And of course, this isn't the type of rest that comes from like exhaustion. God isn't worn out. He's not tired. This is about what one does when they have worked very hard and worked very well. And now it's time to stop, to be satisfied, to be content with your efforts for a moment. Last summer, uh, I decided to fulfill my lifelong dream of building a movie theater in my house. Uh, And mind you, though my wife Abby and myself were raised by exceptionally handy fathers capable of incredible feats of carpentry, neither of us uh, received that gift from our fathers, and uh, I think neither of us had built anything significant on our own. So... I was like, why should that stop us? I had my friend Kyle here at Van City crunch lumber numbers, <laughs> which is fun, lumber numbers um, for me. We borrowed every single power tool in Scott Barguer's garage. They're there if you want them. <laughs> um, I eventually just had to get the code because I was coming back so often. We watched dozens of YouTube videos. Thank God for YouTube carpentry videos. We bothered just as many friends on a regular basis, and we built the dang thing right there in what was previously a garage. Uh, a, few weeks, a few weeks after we had begun, our work was complete. We sat down, and we watched a movie with some friends, and it was very good. The process was something like this. Uh, here's Abby and Michael Dumont. They're framing some walls together. That was the beginning of it. Here's Tab. Uh, he's working on the ceiling for me. You recognize the, uh, the head and the beard, I'm sure. Um, here's Patrick and a bunch of dudes with some drywall. That's unpleasant. Um, and a whole mess of stuff later... 
Here is the Sabbath delight. We built it. It's a movie theater right there. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Um, now, I tell that story because it culminates in what was for me and has been delight. Another way of translating that word Sabbath is actually delight. In fact, there's something interesting going on with the Hebrew in Genesis 2, verse 2. The NIV renders it, as I just read moments ago, it says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. But the ESV, which is in this case a little closer to the original, reads, and I quote, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. Which sounds a bit clunky, doesn't it? In fact, rabbis are theorizing that something else is being created on the seventh day, and that is this Hebrew word manuha. In his, uh, in his book, Sabbath, Dan Allender writes this. Manuha is the Hebrew word... Oh, I guess I didn't put this. That's okay, I'll read it to you guys. Manuha is the Hebrew word for rest, but it is better translated as joyous response, tranquility, or delight. God didn't rest in the sense of taking a nap or chilling out. Instead, God celebrated and delighted in his creation. Thus, this holy day is set aside from the rest that we might follow in the example of God himself. Stop, rest, and delight. Delight in what is still very good about the world, even our broken world, and our lives in it, and above all else, to delight in God himself. Allender goes on to describe the day like this. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex if you're married, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a day full of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. And here's where we continue to unpack the exciting kind of signature of your Sabbath. Ask yourself, what could I do for an entire day that would bring me deep, restful joy? For me personally, the phone gets shut down the night before. Um, yesterday was actually the Sabbath for my family. So on Friday night, cut the phone off, put it in a closet, wake up in the morning. It's a slow, lazy morning, coffee, several cups of coffee, time in the scriptures and in prayer, kind of on our couch in the middle of all the hubbub, but relaxed, laid back. Then it's wrestling with my kids and sitting around with my kids, reading books with them, enjoying the hilarious conversation. Then it's more coffee in the afternoon, um, a novel on the couch, sitting around talking to my wife, Abby, a walk through our neighborhood, unless it's summer, then I close the curtains and wait for fall. Um, and then we get takeout in the evening and we sit around. Last night we sat around the fire on a blanket in our living room eating, you know, from takeout boxes together, talking as a family about the wonderfully long list of things for which we're grateful. Even my kids have long lists and they get funnier as they go <laughs> and more divorced from reality. Um, and not least among those things for which we are grateful, one another and the love of a generous father in heaven. And when the kids are asleep, it's, you know, stuff married people do. And then popcorn in the movie theater that we built with our own hands. And we sit under a blanket. Maybe we have some friends over to enjoy um, conversation and a movie. Uh, and it's wonderful. It's delightful. Maybe your day looks totally different. And that's great. Again, the idea is to ask yourself, if I stop working, if I slow down, turn the phone off, if I'm not texting or updating feeds or posting or commenting, if I stop, and just be, what would bring me restful delight? 
Uh, my friend John Mark has this great way of explaining it. He says that for him, he's a big Sabbath enthusiast. They try to make the day like Christmas Day only without, you know, the specific Christmas celebration. Because, you know, for many of us, Christmas Day is a wonderfully leisurely day. Heck, this last Christmas Day, just a few weeks ago now, I don't remember moving around that much. When I tried to think about it, I was like, I think I was kind of in the same spot almost the entire day. I ate monkey bread. You guys know about monkey bread? Yeah, okay, wow, okay, hallelujah, praise him, praise him, <laughs> praise the monkey bread. Um, I laughed a ton, I was constant in, con- in constant conversation with the family around me, I read on the couch, I would just be sitting there reading and then into a conversation again, I don't remember where my phone was, I didn't care, I took a nap at some point, uh, I watched a movie or two or three, I ate some more, it was righteous, it was beautiful. And this is, I think, a helpful way of understanding what you're going for with a Sabbath, with Sabbath which is a day of ongoing rest, calm, peace, and delight. And we see from the very outset of the biblical story that God himself has actually wired this into the fabric of creation. Now consider this for a moment. In this strange and beautiful bit of poetic prose, God is creating. You know the story, so there's space and there's stars and there's planets, galaxies and atmosphere and gravity, dirt, aardvarks, human beings, it's all in there. Hard work and there's creativity and there's artistry and beauty and effort. And then there's a day set aside for rest and delight. In his book on Sabbath, Wayne Muller notes this, in the relentless busyness of modern life, we have lost the rhythm between work and rest. All life requires a rhythm of rest. There is a rhythm in our waking activity and the body's need for sleep. There's a rhythm in the way day dissolves into night and night into morning. There's a rhythm as the active growth of spring and summer is quieted by the necessary dormancy of fall and winter. There is a tidal rhythm, a deep, eternal conversation between the land and the great sea. In our bodies, the heart perceptibly rests after each life-giving beat. The lungs rest between the exhale and the inhale. We have lost this essential rhythm. Our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest, that doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Because of our desire to succeed, to meet these ever-growing expectations, we do not rest. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us succor. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight. Poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. Whatever you think about the story of Genesis 1, it's a weird, strange, beautiful story. Whatever your baggage with the practice of Sabbath, the Sabbath day, all that stuff, don't miss this thing. God has built a day of rest into the very rhythm of creation. Consider this then. Whatever it means to neglect or to defy this rhythm, it's probably not good. And we actually know this experientially, even medically. 
the overworked, hurried, busy lifestyle we now know contributes to heart disease and anxiety and high blood pressure and weakened immune system, brain fog. In the spiritual sense, it depletes the willpower. It blurs our connection to God. It weakens us against temptation. It cripples relationships and on and on and on the list goes. But doctors and theologians seem to agree that if we don't willingly slow down, we will be slowed down by forces beyond our control. The former, when we choose to slow down willingly, brings delight, replenishing of the soul. The latter, when life slows us down, brings sickness and unhealth, despair, and even death. Now, there's more to the story than the rhythm of creation. In the story, God blesses this day of rest, which is really interesting because when you read Genesis 1 and 2, you notice God blesses three things in the story. The first is animals, which is amazing. Human beings come second. And then a day, the Sabbath. And I think the reason is because life is tiring, man. Uh, even when life is beautiful, it is tiring. Uh, in January, uh, Abby, my wife, and I uh, began the new Bible reading plan for 2019. And one morning, I couldn't stop laughing. I saved a picture of it. Ab Abby sent me this text. She said, what's today's reading? Simple enough. I sent her a screenshot. And then a few minutes later, she said, did people really live 700 plus years? That sounds exhausting. <laughs> Life, even when it's wonderful, is tiring. Work, even deeply fulfilling work, is tiring. And it seems obvious enough, but consider this in light of what we've just read. Before the world was fractured by human sin, before the fall, God had ordered creation for a rhythm of work and rest. Good work, good rest. Even the most fulfilling work depletes human energy. And alternately, fulfilling rest restores it. This isn't an outworking of the fall. This isn't because of a curse. This is holy, blessed. This is God's craftsmanship. God wove a day of rest into the rhythm of creation, and he blessed it. And the Hebrew word here translated as rest, or blessed, I mean, can also mean, quite simply, happy, meaning the day is a happy day. Rabbi Abraham Heschel, who wrote quite a bit about the Sabbath, famously said that it's a sin to be sad on the Sabbath. And I think what he's getting at is that it's not like a rule in the literal sense, but a mentality with which to approach our discipline of rest. It is a day for happiness. But God doesn't stop at the blessing of the day. He actually, in the story, makes it holy. So let's move one book to the right in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. If you're new to the Bible, it's just one book over. Um, Exodus 20 is a familiar passage. It's where we get what we call the Ten Commandments. So let's read Exodus 20, beginning with the very first verse. <clears throat> it says, God spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. goes on quite a bit. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain or use the name of God for no good. And then here it is, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, sea, all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? Holy. Now, holy is, of course, another word with a lot of baggage, but put simply, it really just means different or unique or set apart from everything else and dedicated to God. So that's an entire day ordered in the flow of creation, blessed, just like humans and animals. In other words, just like life and set apart from the other days, dedicated to God. This one is unique, different. Now, on that note, let me point out three more things before we end tonight. The first is that when you read the story, you start to gather a few things about what Sabbath is and isn't. And one is that Sabbath is not the same thing as our modern conception of a day off. Now, a day off in popular culture vernacular is a day on which you do not work for your primary employer. But many, even if they aren't at work, don't do a bit of resting, let alone delighting in that rest. We run errands, we buy groceries, surf the internet, scroll through feeds, hit the gym, um, other people apparently. If you're like uh, my wife Abby, then you clean you know, everything and then do it again just to be sure. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with groceries or the gym or cleaning, but these things certainly don't fit any working definition of what rest is. You know, some errands are just the most dreaded on that list, too. That the, oh, God, we have to do that this week. For me, it's Home Depot. I loathe Home Depot. My Lord and my God, may I never go there. It's that I built that movie theater over dozens of trips to Home Depot is a testament to my spiritual formation. Um, <laughs> Ikea on the weekend is another one I rebuke in the name of Jesus. Never. Oh, it's the worst. The point is that a day off is often, for many of us, Little more than like a cluster of things to do, good and bad, that don't fit into a normal workday, whether they're restful or not. But Sabbath, on the other hand, requires discipline. It actually requires preparation and thoughtfulness. In fact, one of the more common complaints I hear with regard to adopting a regular Sabbath routine is, I don't have enough time. Meaning, in the scramble of an ordinary week and with only a day or two off from work, getting everything done is hard enough without powering down for an entire day. No phone, no errands, no projects. But remember this, please. You decide how you do and do not spend your time. And I've said this many times now, but I honestly believe that that common expression, I didn't have time for you fill in the blank, should always be reworked to say, I chose not to spend my time doing you fill in the blank. Um, you iPhone users, which I'm sure is the majority of you, get those weekly screen time reports now, right? If you got the update, you get it pushes them right to the forefront of your phone. Look and be ashamed, you know. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, it sends you an update. It says, here's how many times you picked up your phone. Here's what you were looking at and for how long, which is great and needed. Um, I'm trying to do like CrossFit with that thing. I'm down to less than an hour a day this week. Uh, I'm shooting for single digits, man. I'm going to get there. Um, it's tough for a guy who needs GPS to like navigate his own house. It's like, and I made my uh, smartphone a dumb phone a couple of years ago. So it's like messages, maps, three hours of maps every day. At any rate, um, interestingly enough, Van City has actually invested in a technology that once an iPhone user enters the church building, it allows us to access your screen time report. And we will now begin displaying them on the screen. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We don't, have, we don't have that. We can barely afford rent, let alone uh, 
technology that for all I know, I just made up. Y'all were scared though for a second, right? Some people were like, oh Lord, this is going to be bad. The point I'm getting at is uh, not guilt, but perspective. If you set aside time to prepare for Sabbath, even if all six of the other days in your week are a whirlwind, it can be done. And I think any of us need only retrace the events of our week or evaluate your screen time report or think back over how you used your time to realize, yes, with thoughtful, disciplined preparation, even the busiest among us can rest well for one day, and really the busiest among us should. Thus, the Sabbath is not simply a day off. The Sabbath is also not the same thing as Sunday church. When I was growing up, Sabbath was a synonym for Sunday, uh, the day on which God-fearing Southerners go to church twice. Um, I'm from Georgia, by the way, if you didn't know. And I liked church, but it wasn't restful. You know, my dad was on like 10 committees because we were Southern Baptists. Uh, My mom taught Sunday school and then sang in the choir. Yes, the choir. Um, I had Sunday school, then the main service, service, or what we called big church. And then uh, you have evening Sunday school and then another big church, which was different from the first one. And then it was like a late supper and America's Funniest Home Videos with Bob Saget. And then rush to bed because you've got to go to school in the morning. Now, I realize that this isn't Georgia or the 80s, but Sunday continues to mean a wide variety of things even across this room. For some of you, uh, Sunday is perfect for Sabbath. Keep it up. For others, it's a busy day. Uh, Maybe it's a busy day of serving here at the church or hauling your small children to and from church. For others, it's game day, I'm told. (laughs) This is the thing that happened. Right, Cam? Cam, is Sunday game day for every game? No. Who, what's it for? Football. Great. Yeah, football. It's game day, football. Or it's like chores or homework, getting ready for Monday morning and work and school, whatever it might be. And again, not all bad things, and especially serving for the love of God. Please serve. But those things aren't necessarily restful. So one helpful way of thinking through Sabbath for you is to ask yourself these questions. Is it rest? And is it worship? Now, of course, bear with me because worship means so much more than just singing songs or praying for like 24 hours straight. Think of things that fill your mind and your heart with affection for God, awareness of His presence, and appreciation of His gifts, things that draw you into an appreciation of beauty and love, things that bring more than superficial pleasure but soul delight. And those can be really ordinary, unfancy things. This varies wildly from person to person. For me, it could be like a work of art or a novel or a film. It could be a conversation with my wife about nothing really at all. It could be drawing with my kids or playing dinosaur bingo with them is a big one right now. It could be just having a good meal meal or drinking good coffee. All of that for me is rest and worship. Moments when it becomes easy to behold the simple beauty before you and say, man, this is good. Thank you, God. And notice in the story of the Bible, the Sabbath is a gift and it's a command. In fact, it's the only spiritual discipline required in the Ten Commandments. Now, of course, there's a substantial amount of debate and bickering about whether or not modern disciples of Jesus are like required to keep a Sabbath day. Most argue that we aren't. But a minority of others uh, I read this week, is actually kind of interesting, point out a few points worth consideration The New Testament never commands a Sabbath, uh, but Jesus never repeals the Sabbath. Also, none of the other Ten Commandments have been thrown out. Sabbath is kind of the only one that we think of as optional. Either way, what you read in the Scriptures is true. The Sabbath rhythm is woven into creation. It's blessed. 
It's holy or different from the other days. It's offered as a gift from God, even if you don't think it's a command today. So if it's a gift from God himself, why not enjoy it? Why not utilize a God-given opportunity to thrive in the world as he made it? Now, as a command, the language is interesting. It's remember the Sabbath. This is, I think, one of the most helpful ways of understanding the importance of disciplined rest for the apprentice of Jesus. Why do we constantly say the same things at Van City over and over and over again about apprenticeship, about the three goals of every apprentice of Jesus, which are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and what? Do what Jesus did. We always talk about these things, about practicing the way of Jesus. And the reason is because research indicates that the average person needs to hear information repeated 27 times before they actually ingest that information. Sabbath is more than a disciplined rhythm of not working. It's an active remembering of your need to rest in the presence of God. And more than that, to delight in the presence of God, to slow down, stop, and remember, wait, there's more to life than going and doing. The world is often a horrible place filled with suffering and death, but it can also be quite lovely when you slow down and thoughtfully savor it. The smallest glimmers of beauty are often more meaningful than the grandiose schemes to which we dedicate much of our waking lives. And everything we have is a gift. So the next evening that you get together with your community or with a few friends, if you're not yet in a community or you're listening on the podcast, you'll head to practicingtheway.org for the next practice. Um, remember, we actually have the chili cook-off. It gives me great joy to point out that we have the chili cook-off Wednesday. The invitation is, again, to favor that in lieu of your weekly community dinner. Talk that out if that's what you guys want to do. There will be time to catch up on the practices, so no rush there. Now, given the complexity of our conversation around Sabbath thus far... I'm sure you've gathered that it doesn't simply happen. What will simply happen if you don't prepare or think or thoughtfully engage it is just a day off. Maybe not so bad, maybe not so good, but a day off. But the Sabbath is a spiritual discipline, and it requires preparation. In the New Testament, the day prior to the Sabbath, which was Friday for first century Jews, was called preparation day, meaning this is a terribly pragmatic practice. You'll begin to work out a plan to have groceries taken care of, maybe the cooking out of the way if you're going to do that um, the day before and then eat the day after, get all the cleaning done, whatever it is that you need to do to prepare for rest, power the phone down so there's no pressing texts or emails left to answer, whatever you need to remember a day of rest and delight. Something I've been thinking and praying through lately, discussing with my therapist, is this deep-seated existential fear that I carry around that ultimately I don't matter. Like tomorrow I could be hit by a car, and within months I could be replaced as like a friend or even a pastor or an employee, maybe even a husband or a father, and that is a terrifying thought to me. You know, just some low-level, uncomplicated stuff. But behind this existential dread... I think it is the broken part of me that wants desperately to matter in some irreplaceable way. And that is, I think, a very human conceit. I think it's hard for us to stop because we're afraid. We're afraid that we'll miss something or that something will miss us or that things will fall apart or they'll burn down or they'll collapse. And in a cruel twist of irony, it's when we don't stop when we refuse to slow and rest and power down and delight, 
That is when we actually run the risk of ruin, when things fall apart, when they burn down, when they collapse, when we wreck things, when we aren't, aren't our best, when we neglect what really matters, when we're short with our loved ones or when we're anxious and sped up, when what truly matters remains undone, but that which is ultimately fleeting gets done again and again and again. So the invitation for you this week is to slow down and behold, the world continues to rotate on its axis. The solar system goes on circling the sun. So rest. Life goes on just fine and better. Thanks for listening to Van City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and resources at vancity.church. You can support us financially by visiting vancity.church slash give.